Welcome to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, and your team is the Chicago Blackhawks, and it is game day. The Blackhawks face off against the Vegas Golden Knights tonight at 9 p.m. Late one, late podcast for me. It's okay. It's hockey. Love hockey. Can't wait to watch the game. Can't wait to record the podcast at like midnight, but it's fine. It's what I signed up for. I can't complain. Jay Zawoski with you here. Lots to get to today. The Hawks practiced on Tuesday. Jeremy Cowton spoke for a long time and had some interesting things to say. We're going to share a lot of those comments with you in the second segment, but we've got some news to get to. Before we do that, want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast, as we always do. Email lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com. Send a tweet to LO underscore Blackhawks or leave a voicemail 708 653 0572. That's our Talk Back Tuesday segment. I hope you enjoyed that on yesterday's podcast. I certainly enjoyed doing it. It's a lot more fun when the Hawks are playing well to do those mailbag segments. And uh, like I said, Jeremy Cowton had some interesting things to say in his post practice press conference, easy for me to say, on Tuesday. But first, want to talk about the news of the day. Connor Murphy practiced in full with the team. He will travel on this trip. So he'll go with the team to Vegas. He will go to Nashville on Saturday. That game Saturday in Nashville is the day he is eligible to return. It's unclear whether or not he'll be able to play in that game, if he'll be ready to play in that game, but he's going to make the trip. He's going to practice with the team. And uh, hopefully when Saturday comes, Connor Murphy is ready to go. And uh, this was sort of discussed on the mailbag segment on Tuesday about what happens when Connor Murphy comes back. Who goes? And Jeremy Cowton sort of addresses that in his uh, post-practice press conference, which we'll get to in a little bit here. But um, I want to again reiterate that even though there's been some growing pains for Adam Boquist and there's been a healthy scratch in there for Adam Boquist, I think at this point it would be a big mistake to let him go, to send him down, because he's going to learn at the NHL level. If you missed yesterday's Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, what are you even doing? Came out actually Monday night, but check it out. Still stands up at Madhouse Pod on Twitter. If you want to follow the account there, just subscribe on your podcast app. You'll enjoy it. But I said, Boquist is going to learn more playing in Chicago with guys like Duncan Keith, and Brent Seabrook, and to a lesser extent, Calvin DeHaan and Oli Mata. These guys are experienced NHL players. Keith and Seabrook especially, they're like having coaches on the ice for Adam Boquist. And I'm not taking anything away from the staff in Rockford. I think they do a fine job. But I'd rather have him under the watchful eye of the NHL coaching staff, of the NHL assistants, of the NHL leadership, and the NHL teammates. I think that's the best thing for Adam Boquist. And when we've seen him struggle, when we've seen Boquist make mistakes, they've been mistakes of aggression, maybe making a pass that was a little too daring or uh, misreading a play. I, I, I go back to that goal in the San Jose game where the puck jumped over his stick at the blue line and he didn't react right away. I think he sort of expected a defender to be back there to bail him out and he wasn't there. But the defensive play... When the opponent's attacking and Boquist is defending, he does a pretty solid job. And I don't think there's much question as to whether or not Adam Boquist is one of the Blackhawks' six best defensemen right now. 
I don't think there's any doubt about it whatsoever. So I'm all for leaving him here. Now, the question remains, if that's what you do, who do you send down? Dennis Gilbert is already back in Rockford. Slater Cuckoo is the obvious answer to me. And for whatever reason, the Blackhawks have had some trouble sort of swallowing that pill, so to speak. They don't want to do that because they have to waive him to send him down, and then they fear that someone might pick him up. But look, Slater Cuckoo, if if he gets claimed, that's not going to be the difference between the Blackhawks being good or bad. It's not. It's not realistic. That's not how it's going to go. They've got Philip Holm in the minors. They've got Dennis Gilbert. They've got some guys who look like they can play as a sixth or seventh defenseman in the NHL. And that's what Cuckoo is right now. He's a seventh defenseman for the Hawks. And yeah, he's in and out of the lineup. And when he's been in, he hasn't been terrible. But I'm not, I'm not afraid of losing Slater Cuckoo. And I don't think you should be either. I don't think the Blackhawks should be either. If he somehow gets claimed on waivers, fine. It's not ideal. But I think sending Adam Boquist back down at this point, based on what we've seen so far from his game, would be a big mistake. And I'm willing to risk losing Slater Cuckoo to keep Adam Boquist here at the NHL level, where, again, he can learn from the best coaches they have in the organization, assistants, and players. I don't want to undersell that. The fact that Duncan Keith is in his ear a lot, the fact that they're on the ice together a lot, learning by example is a good thing. And again, say what you want for Rockford and what they're doing down in Rockford. I know they're there to develop, but I think sending him back down stunts his growth. So when Connor Murphy comes back, be it Saturday or Sunday or maybe Tuesday against Carolina, I would like to see, I mean, I don't want to see Slater Cuckoo waved, but I want to see Boquist stay and I want to see Murphy in the lineup. And I think then you're finally going to see your fully realized defensive core. And, I, and I'm kind of excited about it. I kind of like the way things are looking. I think another possibility and this, now that things have sort of calmed down a little bit in Blackhawks world, I think the possibility of a trade is a little less than maybe it was even a week ago. But someone could be shipped out. They could trade Eric Gustafson. I'm not hearing they're going to. I don't think anything's imminent. But it's an option as well. Maybe they would try to trade Slater Cuckoo instead of wave him. Try to get something back for him. Maybe a draft pick. I don't know. I, I, I There's a lot of things that could happen. But what should happen is Adam Boquist should continue playing hockey for the Blackhawks for the rest of the 2019-2020 season. It is Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski here, and as I mentioned last segment, Jeremy Cowton had a lot to say after Tuesday's practice uh, at the MBI Arena. What is it called? Fifth Third? I don't know. Whatever it's called. The Blackhawks practice facility on the west side. Uh, I'm going to play this in two parts. The first part, Jeremy Cowton discusses what the plan might be with Adam Boquist. He talks about Kirby Doc's ice time and how he's managing it. He talks about how guys have responded to being benched, and he talks about the goalie situation. Then the second part will be him talking about the system changes they've made over the last little bits here. So first part starts with 
him addressing what could happen with Adam Boquist when Connor Murphy returns. Uh, well, I guess we'll see, you know, take it when he's ready. We don't know when Murphy's going to be ready, so I can answer that question then. Is it being difficult to, to get Kirby more ice time as the team starts to even out, I guess, for all four rows? Um, I think it's all based on um, his continued improvement. Um, I liked him last game. We had the lead and we were killing a lot of penalties in the third. So um, would like to get him out there more. But, you know, it's uh, when you get off the kill, Kane's line's going to go out. And then it's just a matter of what, who they're coming with. And uh, But I got thought he played well. Very good response after um, taking a game off. And, again, it wasn't wasn't to indicate that we didn't like his performance. I was just hoping that he was going to come back fresh. And I think if you compared this last game to the one he played before it was better and that's what we're looking for have you been encouraged almost all the guys that have sat have had these bounce back mm. efforts whether it was Gustafson or, or uh, Kubalik or Doc and is that something that shows that this can be beneficial to the player yeah that's what we're hoping for you know when you do it you it's because you want to get a response you want them to whether it's uh, you know a young player continuing to develop, or or maybe it's um, an older player who you think has more to give, um, they it says a lot about the character of those guys too. That they didn't. Um, sometimes you can respond in the wrong way, and uh, I think almost everyone, when put in that situation, has responded in the right way, and it's been a big boost to the team when they come back. How do you think Corey's handled the fact that he's not? You know, the guy this year, you know, he had a stretch of, I think, six games out of eight that he wasn't starting. Mm -hmm. I think, I think he's handled that. Yeah, he's been good. Um, very uh, supportive of Robin and of the team. And um, that doesn't change the fact that I'm sure he'd like to play every night. And uh, it's probably it's the same with Robin. Like, he would like to play more, too. So it's probably going to be like that all year, where they both would like to play a little more and uh, probably be right down the middle there as far as they, they probably both are going to think they should play more than they do. Encouraging to hear that Jeremy Cowton liked what he saw from Kirby Doc in the game against Toronto because I think the eye test, despite only playing, what, like seven-plus minutes on Sunday night, Doc was noticeable when he was out there. And I think what Jeremy Cowton is saying is circumstances sort of dictated that he not be out there. The Hawks were shorthanded a lot in the third period. That played a role into things. Um, and he was happy with the response after the healthy scratch on Saturday. So... As frustrated as I was to see Doc not play so much, at least Cowton has a justification, and at least he's saying, look, we're happy with how he's playing. It was more a matter of circumstance than uh, punishment or reaction to how he was playing. So that's encouraging. Uh, the first response about Adam Boquist, we know that Jeremy Cowton is going to be mysterious about everything all year long. That's how he handles the goalies. It's how he handles roster decisions. So, um... I don't know. I, I would have liked maybe a little more vote of confidence or, you know, we're really happy with what Adam is doing. It's kind of a we'll see and we'll figure it out when we get there. I'm sure they know already what the plan is, but, um, you know, uh, would like a little more clarity, but he doesn't need to give that to us. That is not owed to us as Blackhawks fans. Next up was his response to Pat Boyle's question about how guys have bounced back well after benchings and, and sort of reiterating the point that, yeah, that's that's why we bench guys. That's the whole point of sitting a guy down. We want them to respond to that. And I don't think he's using it as a punishment like you suck, you're sitting. But I think it's one thing to say, look, you know, 
maybe a little bit of a reset would be helpful for you. Um, and, and like he said, every guy who has been benched from Kubalik, who was benched then against Vancouver, then came back and scored against Pittsburgh from Doc and Boquist, who were be, uh, benched against Pittsburgh, who came back and responded with good games against Toronto. Um, Eric Gustafson was benched and came back with a decent response. Bad game against Toronto, no doubt, but those handful of games before that, he'd been pretty good. Now, I think the next guy up on the healthy scratch train could be Alex Nylander, who's had a couple tough games in a row. In practice on Tuesday, he found himself rotating in and out of the fourth line. Here's how the line stacked up. It was Brandon Saad, Jonathan Taves, Drake Kajula. Then it was Alex DeBrinkett, Dylan Strom, Patrick Kane. This is left to right, obviously. Andrew Shaw, David Kampf, Dominic Kubelik, and then Ryan Carpenter, Kirby Doc, and then Zach Smith and Alex Nylander rotating back and forth. And again, maybe uh, a night off for Alex Nylander wouldn't be the worst idea. I would prefer he be in. I would prefer he play, but look, the coaching staff has gotten results from these benchings so far, so I'm not totally opposed to it. As long as it's not an extended time off on the bench, I really want Alex Nylander to play more often than not, and and I think he's been good in, what would you say, probably 85-90% of the games this year, and I think if I told you, you know, on November 13th, if I told you 85% of Alex Nylander's games have been good, I think you'd be pleasantly surprised and encouraged by that, and I think you should be. Guys, it's time again for us to talk about sex. Good sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? High school, when a stiff breeze would get you moving, maybe in your 20s, felt good about yourself. Now with work and everything else catching up with you, it can be tough to find the energy, tough to find the enthusiasm. Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises for the old roll in the hay. I'm going to just keep doing this every read, some old... Uh, euphemism for sex. Rolling the hay is the one for this one. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. And who doesn't want that? Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy right now. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. It is Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Jay Zawoski. You heard from Jeremy Cowlton talking about Kirby Doc's ice time. What's going to happen with Adam Boquist when Connor Murphy comes back? The goaltending situation. But the most interesting thing Jeremy Cowlton spoke about after Tuesday's practice was the brand new changes to the system. And I'm going to play the comments for you now. Again, this audio courtesy of ChicagoBlackhawks.com. And I just love how casual 
And Jeremy Cowan just basically says, oh, yeah, we just changed one thing. That's the only difference. I'll react to that after you hear the comments. But Coach Cowan, what did you guys change in the system over the last handful of games? All it is is uh, our, our weak side forward, we pushed him up higher uh, in defensive zone coverage. So uh, before we were had four low a lot of times uh, to try and overload in certain situations. And uh, that's good. It gets you out of D zone. But the problem is when you win the puck back, a lot of times you're very close together. And uh, it's harder to make clean plays. It's hard to exit um, with space to make plays. So we were having trouble entering the zone. So there's been a lot of talk about how we um, been dumping too many pucks in. Well, we're not trying to dump the puck in. But when you uh, are attacking and you know you don't have numbers, or you don't have space in behind, it's you have to, you're forced to. So I think we're doing a much better job of getting from D zone clean because we have four a little bit higher. There's a little more space, happens quicker. And then uh, we're, I think we've done a good job of the low three, someone jumping by, and uh, then we can create a little more space off the rush and we don't have to chip it in. We can enter clean, make some plays, and I think the guys are feeling good about it. Was that coaching staff getting together, or is there was there open line of communication with the players on what they thought? What, 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 um, no, it was. We kind of felt it was time, um, and we're always talking with them for sure. And the guys, they want to score more. You know, they want to produce. Guys want to make plays, and so you know we're just trying to find the balance. Uh, we need to continue to work on being good defensively, but uh, we got to score more than them. So I think. We can still hold on to those defensive gains we've made and uh, score more goals. Was this similar to last January when you kind of turned things loose a bit, coming into the all-star break and then we ended run? Yeah, I think uh, the adjustment with we, we pushed our wingers higher in December, mid-December, and I think that helped. And then uh, January, we it was a little bit more about matchups, I would say. Uh, but you know how we're playing in our own end now is very similar to from mid-December on. It sounds so simple, right? Just put their wingers up. Yep. Sky up. It's not that simple, though, right? Well, <laughs> it's a give and take. Um, we we were trying to uh, be tighter in our own end. So you push a weak side forward down. That's just that you have that extra safety in, in the slot. And I think that area had been better. But uh, now when you push them up, it's a little bit more um, the, the guys who are down low have to do a better job. But I think we, we have improved there, and and we'll continue to work at it. And uh, that's what's necessary to win. If you didn't have the goaltending, would it be more difficult to sit It's very nice to have that goaltending, no question. I think they played really well. Uh, but I think going back to last year in the second half, 5-1-5 five five, defensively pretty good. Um, the penalty kill was the issue in the end. Um, so I think the penalty kill has been better, and we got to continue to improve five on five defensively, and we'll score enough goals. When you look at the the stats, are you? I mean, obviously you don't want to see fifty seven <laughs> shots on goal, yeah. but are you more concerned about the high danger yeah. quality of those chances yeah. than the volume? Yeah. So we're looking at chances. We're looking at high danger. I mean, we don't want to give up that much, that many shots, because that means you're on your back foot. I thought uh, ultimately all the power plays that they got. And a lot of six on five, six on four play. They piled up a lot of shots during during those times. Um, but we want to prevent the, you know, real dangerous chances. And I, I'm no, I don't know exactly how those are measured. You know, everyone everyone has a different idea of of what's important and what's not. But uh, 
as a priority, no question. We want to limit the, the quality, quality looks. Now, there was a little more to the system changes than the weak side forward just playing higher. That's true. They were doing that. That's a difference. It's what they were doing for a big chunk of the end of last season. That's true. However, even when the Hawks would exit the zone against San Jose, L.A., all those games that they looked like total, total ass from start to finish for 60 minutes, they were not being aggressive entering the zone. It was dump and chase. It was concede possession. It was hope to win a race that you can't win because you're a slow team. It wasn't just the forward being up higher. And look, I know Jeremy Cowton can't say, well, we found out we're too slow to play dump and chase. Or he found out we're not physical enough to play dump and chase. And he can't say, well, you know, we're actually, the guys don't want to play dump and chase. But in those comments, the question was asked, like, was this a coaching staff decision? Did the players say something? And he doesn't necessarily say the players asked for it. But the acknowledgement was there. The players wanted a change, and it sounds like they got it. And just in time. Right? I mean, another bad week of this season could have absolutely sunk them. It would have sunk them, for sure. To I'm glad Jeremy Cowden made the change. To me, it was still two weeks too late, but he made the change, and things looked better. And hopefully, from here on out, games are going to look more like Vancouver, Pittsburgh, and Toronto than they did San Jose, L.A., and Nashville. All right, as we do every game day, Let's go behind enemy lines and take a look at tonight's opponent, the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing. It just It's kind of a silly name. I like the uniforms. I like the logo. I think they've done a good job, but uh, I don't know. Golden Knights is kind of weird. Anyway, okay, Vegas is 9-7-3 overall. They've got 21 points in 19 games played. They have lost three in a row in four of their last five, so after a hot start, the Golden Knights have uh, slowed down a little bit. Their leading scorers, Mark Stone, in 19 games played, 8 goals, 10 assists for 18 points. Max Pacioretty, in 19 games, 6 goals, 10 assists for 16 points. William Carlson, 4 goals, 12 assists, 16 points. Riley Smith with 10 goals and 5 assists for 15 points. And Jonathan Marchessault, 4 goals, 8 assists, 12 points. When we look at some of the possession numbers, Vegas doing pretty well in those departments as well. They are 11th in the NHL with a 51.59 Corsi 4 rating. They have 651 shot attempts for, 611 against. In high danger scoring chances, they are 7th with a 52.51 percentage, 157 high danger scoring chances for, and 142 against. Juxtaposing that, the Blackhawks are 28th in high danger scoring chances with 137-4 and 173 against. And when it comes to the overall Corsi rating, the Chicago Blackhawks come in at 28th with a 46.87 percentage. And that's a 718 shot attempts for 814 against. So the Hawks towards the bottom in those possession departments. But as the system has changed, as Jeremy Cowton spoke about, uh, the Blackhawks have so shown some forms of li- some signs of life, and hopefully those numbers will start to go up and up and up as the season goes on. I expect they will because the Hawks are getting more scoring chances, more shot attempts, uh, and with that will come a more reasonable uh, overall Corsi percentage and more high-danger scoring chances, obviously. All right, anyway, it's going to be a really good game tonight. Looking forward to it. 
I know it's a late one, but I'll be staying up watching the entire game and podcasting afterwards. So make sure you check out Lockdown Blackhawks on Thursday morning. It'll be a few hours old when it posts at 5.30 a.m. as it does every day. But thanks again for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. My name is Jay Zawoski. Thank you for listening. Thanks for subscribing and reviewing and telling a friend about Locked on Blackhawks. Hawks.